This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 14th, 2021, brought to you by Horseware. Normally, Karen Chatton is here with me for the endurance episode at this time of the month, but she caught a cold that's been going around and she lost her voice. Don't worry, it's not COVID. She's been checked. But by the magic of MP3 files, Karen will still be with us today. She just gave an extensive interview on the Stall and Stable podcast with Helena. Stalin Stable is part of the Horse Radio Network, and Helena was my first co-host all those years ago on the Stable Scoop Show. It was a fun interview, and I think you will enjoy it. I even learned a thing or two about Karen that I didn't know, and I've been hosting with her for eight years. So subscribe to Stalin Stable today on your favorite podcast player. I also wanted to take this opportunity to thank Karen for hosting this episode every month for the last eight years, and we look forward to many more. I would also like to thank our regular sponsors that have been with us since the beginning, the Distance Depot and Renegade Hoof Boots. Their support has been critical to keeping this episode going every month. And did you know that Distance Depot is responsible for the HRN embroidered merchandise? You can get HRN or Horses in the Morning shirts, hats, coats, pads, and so much more. Just visit thedistancedepot.com. And if you're looking for horse boots that last even on the toughest of trails, then there's only one choice, Renegade Hoof Boots. Well, we'll get to Karen's interview right after I mention today's title sponsor, Horseware. Right now, they're having a 12 Days of Christmas sale going on. Just visit horseware.com and click on the 12 Days banner. They have Rambo blankets, jackets, bridles, sheets, and boots all marked down for the holidays. The Rambo original blanket is $100 off. That's horseware.com. Now on with the show. You're listening to The Stall and Stable Show, ideas for happy horsekeeping. We're back with another episode in the HRN host series on happy horsekeeping. This time, I chat with endurance champion Karen Chatton from Nevada. This is episode 86 of The Stall and Stable Show, brought to you by Low Trail, American-made dump and utility trailers with features that make barn life easier. Today is Thursday, December 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Helena Harris. Buck and I are big fans of our load trail dump trailer. You see, our horse property is small, so keeping the barn and paddocks free from flies and odors is really important. Our dump trailer makes that possible and easy. Transporting manure off property takes no time at all. The trailer is a breeze to hook up, it tows like a charm, and is as heavy-duty as they come. Horse people have zero tolerance for equipment that can't handle serious, everyday use. But our load trail trailer shows up for work every day, like a boss. For a list of trailer types and dealers near you, head over to LoadTrail.com, or you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode in my HRN host series on happy horsekeeping. In this episode, I'm joined by Karen Chatton, an endurance champion and host of Endurance Day on Horses in the Morning. 
Karen made endurance history with two horses, Granite Chief and Pro Bono. She's logged thousands and thousands of miles in her competitive endurance career. She's a fabulous horsewoman. She knows a lot. And, um, you know, when you log that many miles and you do the kind of riding that she does, there is absolutely zero room for error when it comes to keeping your horses healthy and sound. And so knowing her horses, keeping them happy, keeping them healthy is paramount to what Karen does. And she does it very well. So I'm really looking forward to talking with her and to having you along for the conversation. I think you're going to learn a lot and you're going to absolutely fall in love with Karen as I did. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Karen, and welcome to Stall and Stable. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me on. I'm so appreciative that you took the time to join me today to talk about what you believe is quality horse care. And for our listeners who (laughs) might not know who you are, tell us what you do for a living and then what your role is in the horse world. Well, right now I'm sort of at a crossroads. I've got two horses that I'm not entirely sure they're really working out all that great, but I mean, I'm giving it a go, you know, and it's really hard because I had a couple of horses that were really phenomenal endurance horses. One of them is in the Hall of Fame, and that's Granite Chief, and I rode him for uh, 20 years and close to 16,000 miles. Holy cow. I know, we traveled around the country, we just did ride after ride after ride. I mean, he was just, I mean, he never had a seen not even one lameness pull. He was just a phenomenal, I mean, he was totally my soulmate. And then of course, my other horse, a bow pro bono. We also were pretty bonded. Um, he did over 10,000 miles and I think about 14 years we traveled around the country. I, I completed the Tevis on him six times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I and, say, I completed the Tevis on him. End <laughs> of sentence. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, six times uh, he completed every time he started. So he was also a pretty awesome horse. Not without uh, – we did have some, um, you know, stumbling blocks along the way. About by the time he had completed his third Tevis, uh, one day he colicked badly and he ended up having to do surgery, hmm. which anybody who's been through that knows it's emotional, financial, you know, it, it's a huge drain on the human as well as the horse. Yeah. Um, and, but he bounced back within about 10 weeks. He was back to doing 50s. With the full approval of my vet, who said, you know, do what the horse tells you he wants to do, basically. And he was he was kind of a character around the barn, which will lead us into, you know, talking about horse care. Some horses require more care than others because he would he was mischievous. (laughs) He would take apart my rain gutters. He literally, I guess he decided he wanted another window in his barn stall. So he chewed like this huge four foot window through the middle of the wall. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, right next to where the big open door was. And he was never locked in his stall his whole life. I mean, it was wide open. But he didn't do it because he wanted to chew on wood or anything like that. He, I, I, he should have been a construction worker if he had been a human. He, he would have 
definitely been employed doing deconstruction because he took everything apart. <laughs> well, we're going to get to the, the uh, topic of this conversation where we talk about our horse's <laughs> mental health. So we'll we'll just pack that away for now. <laughs> but um, so these were your two very special horses. They're still with you now, right? You have them in your care? No, no, unfortunately, I don't. COVID was not a good. Uh, I lost Bo. He was the first to go. And I, then I lost Chief basically a year almost to the day after. Oh, I'm so apart. sorry. Yeah, they were in their 20s. So they were older. You know, they were both still sound. The last ride they both did was the national championship. And they both completed that. And, and then uh, they both, you know, had different reasons for going. But unfortunately... You know, we all go through it when we have horses long enough. That's what I tell my friends. You're going to experience everything. You're going to learn. Yes, ma'am. All these horses teach us so much. Like the new one I've got, I've been dealing with the sarcoid on him that popped up in his groin after just having him for a couple of weeks. It just, poof, it was magically there. And so it just fell off this week. Oh, gosh, good. It fell off. <laughs> it fell off. Yes, I was treating it and it uh, with this uh, balm that drew it out and it fell off finally. So hopefully I'm going, you know, the horse doesn't permanently hold a grudge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some, um, especially in the Horse Radio Network auditors group, I've seen some great recipes for sarcoids, some that work, some that don't work. So maybe you can share with us off off uh, line what I, you use. I can't, but it's a, it's a topic Glenn does not want to see any photos or talk about. <laughs> oh, because he's just, Glenn, he's just such a weakling. <laughs> I know. That's because yes, he's not he... really a horse person. He's a horse husband. He can't deal with the gore. He can't. And this, trust me, this was like, oh my gosh. And in fact, like four or five days before this God dang, I, we call it his third nut, <laughs> <laughs> fell off. It split wide open. I mean, it was awful. It was like, oh my gosh, even, you know, a, a normal, you know, regular horse person like I have been for years and years that have been through, you know, watching my horse have colic surgery and having his guts pulled out. This grossed me out. This was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, but uh, I was glad it happened because that needed to happen for this to finally reach the final phase where it did just finally drop out and come off. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. So, so, yeah. Uh, so he's now how old is this new horse? <laughs> the new horse, he's just turned seven this year and he's a really nicely bred CMK Arabian Short, little, stout guy, 14'2", 14'3", about, which is perfect for me as I've gotten older into my 50s and kind of liking the shorter horse because <laughs> my stirrup is a little like down below my chin now <laughs> instead of above my eyes. I'm a fan of the smaller horses, but being a smaller person myself, every horse feels big. So I like that sort of <laughs> mid-range. You know, my mare is only 15 just a little bit above 15 too. And that's the perfect size for me. Uh -huh. um, so let's talk about then horse care. So you have, so your new horse, do, uh, do you board or do you keep your horse at home? I keep them at home. Okay. How many do you have on your property? I just have two. Would it be fair to say that 
endurance riding is like like um like a marathon you know if you were to compare it to to a human sport which one would you compare it to probably yeah a marathon would be good or you know like long distance bicycling you know it's just a, a commitment it's a lifestyle but it in terms of like the horse's physical fitness and everything like you said it's a lifestyle so you don't just have a horse who is an athlete it's this is a horse who lives this way so everything about his or her environment and life needs to take into consideration what they do uh, right yes everything how you manage them is about not just training but reinforcement so every time I take one of the horses out the other horse I leave tied up on the trailer with the buckets and the hay bag and whatever stuff that they would be left with at an endurance ride. If I'm taking both horses to a ride because I like to do multi-day rides. So I'll ride one horse 50 miles one day and then the other horse 50 miles and then and do that, you know, for three, four or five days in a row. Or, you know, sometimes I've done the, the really long trips where we're gone for two months at a time traveling with them. So you want to manage them at home in a, in a way so that they learn to handle all of those little things that they need to learn to handle when you're traveling with them on the road for weeks at a time. Okay, so that's, I feel two, two conversations that we're going to go through here. <laughs> that one and then the regular one, which is when... <laughs> Because you're not, you know, you're not constantly reproducing their life on the road at home. So there are some basics. There's a standard level of care that I'm sure you like to provide for your horses. When you mentioned earlier that your your, your horse chewed a, a hole through the, he <laughs> made his own window. It, it sounds to me like your horses can come, come and go as they please. Do they have 24-7 access? Yes, they to do. Sh- okay. They have full turnout. And yes, and once, see, that's the thing. It's sort of like, you know, creating a monster. Everybody says, oh, once your horse gets experienced. Well, once they get experienced, they just get better at whatever it is. <laughs> that they're doing, whether it's roaring down the trail because now they're fit and they're strong and they love it. Or if they're home and they get bored, they find things to do like bow moving around my water troughs or (laughs) pulling down the rain gutters or deciding he wants a window in the middle of his stall. Um, You know, and, and we always found it kind of you know, I can laugh about it now. At the time, it you know how it goes. It's like, oh, dear, my horse husband gets to, <laughs> to go fix something else that the horse caused, right? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but what I wouldn't give to have that horse back a million times to be doing those things again. You know, these horses, it's they're sort of a letdown. They haven't gotten out of their stalls. They, I don't have to put the locking carabiners on the clips anymore. They just don't do all those things. I don't know. Maybe they need to be here longer. <laughs> Clearly, you're a woman who likes a challenge. <laughs> well, so yes. what, well, then if you do have to lock them in their stalls, for what reason would you, you know, secure them inside? You know, my stalls are open. They don't even have doors on the backsides of them. Okay. So I can, I can lock them in a paddock, which is like a 40 by 60 foot kind of a large area. Um, but I don't have any real small areas to lock them into. 
Okay. So uh, they, you know, and I like them to be able to move around. In fact, recently, you've probably heard we've had, I'm in the West, so we've had a lot of fires. So we've, we've had more wildlife than usual. We normally have wildlife, but um, like almost every one of my neighbors, including us, have, have had bears on our property. And we've got a lot of other wildlife as well. But the bears are the main problem right now. They're getting into everybody's trash. They're coming in the yards. Uh, one of them left a huge pile in my horse paddocks. And so my horses didn't want to even come anywhere near the barn or the paddocks to eat for a few days. So I was going out and spreading hay out for them. And then I would have to go get them and bring them in in order to feed them their concentrated feed that I give them in a mash. Because they didn't want to come in at all. Yeah, um, but I don't blame them. They were visited by something that was pretty big and scary. This is the thing that, you know, we all say, there are no bears. There's nothing to be afraid of. What are you spooking at? And, well, yeah, it's, your horses have something very real to be afraid of. There they, actually are bears. <laughs> they are. Um, so you have a pasture in, in addition to your, your barn and your paddocks. Do you ha Did they get to graze? Because I'm in Nevada, northern Nevada, up by Lake Tahoe, um, and I did used to have a pasture, but we stopped watering it, you know, for numerous reasons. Um, it was costing actually quite a bit to keep it watered and it took just too much water. So it was, you know, it was fun while it lasted. We had it for a few years, but we ended up letting it go. But the horses have plenty of turnout area that's dirt. And then I do have a back area that does have grass where they do get to come out and graze. Okay. But they're for their forage diet, you provide them with hay. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what is typically what kind of hay do you feed? What's available out there? And then how do you feed it? It's mostly grass. A large percentage of it is grass with some alfalfa in it. The bales usually when I'm going to endurance rides, I try to pull the bales out that have more alfalfa in them to use because I like feeding those once we're at a ride um, a little bit more. And so that they might be more of a 50-50 mix versus 80-20. And I use portagrazers. I keep them full 24-7 around the clock so the horses can come and go and graze and they can move them around. And that works really good most of the time until they start getting uh, – you know, in the winter where they start getting stuck in the mud yeah. and, fro frozen and then frozen, the mud. <laughs> frozen to the mud. Uh, so that's no fun. So I then I try to keep them in the stalls more. Um, a lot of times I will go spread the hay out for them. And then I also will mix up, I, I'll, you know, I kind of tend to spoil my horses a little bit. If you think of this as spoiling, it's, um, I actually carry hot water out to the barn to make a mash for them a couple times a day and then I add a little bit of salt to it um, and that gets them used to eating the same kinds of feeds like we talked about before so they're used to what they're going to have while they're traveling on the road and going places and doing things so I just try to get them to where that's like just normal life for them that's part of their life is eating the same kinds of foods that they're going to eat if they were, you know, to be traveling around the country. Do you do that year round? 
Yes. Okay. Um, I, you know, you said you used the word spoil, and I think there was a time when the general horse population would think that is spoiling a horse. I, I do the same thing, and my horses uh-huh. don't, <laughs> don't don't go fifty miles in five years. But uh, <laughs> the, I find it's a great way. You know. I find that yeah, they stay hydrated. it's not really the right term. No, because, no. It used to be where people yeah. said, that's spoiling your horse. But right. we've discovered you know, recently that however we can keep our horses hydrated and their digestive systems functioning properly. Healthy. Right? Mm-hmm. That it's right. just a small price to pay to lug some warm water out to your barn. Exactly. And one of the things I learned when I was on the road for weeks at a time with the horses is that when I add the water and make mashes to their concentrated feeds, that would always end up being an addition to whatever water they drink, mm. whether I did the mashes or not. So it's a great way to get, like like you mentioned, all that extra hydration and stuff into them, which they really need when they're traveling. Even if they're not competing, like say it takes a week to get five states away to go to a endurance ride or some event where it's going to take you a few days of travel, you want them to stay hydrated the whole time. So even though they're drinking, if you make the wet mashes for them on the road, you know, before and during and after the event, it really does help to keep them hydrated. Just talking about basic bodily functions, Sleep is something I'm always interested in and how horse owners manage, especially highly competitive horses. How do you manage their, um, or how do you encourage your horses to get the rest they need, especially when you're trying to reproduce life on the road at home? Right. What, do mm-hmm. you have a, a program for that? I d- or just well, best practices? It, you know, and that's, that's the cool thing is I have these, you know, these high tie arms that fold out on my trailer and then they have a rope and I always use a cotton rope. So if they get caught, they're not going to get as bad of a rope burn on it. Right. But they all have, they've all got to do that at least once. They've all got to <laughs> learn just like we had to learn a lot of our life lessons the hard way. Right. So what I do is I, mentioned before how I leave one horse on the trailer when I take the other one out. And so we do that back and forth forth, so they both can learn how to be on the trailer, how to drink, how to eat, how to lie down, how to pee, how to roll without getting caught up. And that's why it's so important to do all those things at home in advance to prepare them and train them so that when they are in a strange place, They already know those things, so it's not that on top of, oh, my gosh, this is a new place. Everything's different. Or, you know, there's a train going by every two hours or, you know, something like that going on when you're on your travels and stuff. So, you know, the horses get to, you know, you try to give them everything you can as far as being prepared ahead of time. And so I know with both of the horses I have now, even they have both been on the trailer and left long enough that I know both of them will lie down and rest comfortably. And that's always, to me, that's important. In fact, when I, when I had my trailer made, one of the things I had specifically included in the living quarters was a light switch in the gooseneck so I can flip it on, flip on a light and look out my window and see the horses. 
Okay. Well, that so you you sort of answered my next question, or rather, you okay. you inspired the next question, which is how is your trailer configured? Because I would not imagine. A, um, I mean, what do you travel with? It's, you've got the living quarters, but obviously, it's big enough for your horses to lay down in. Um, well, they're not in it; they're on the outside of it. So when I say on the trailer, I mean they're on it on the outside of it versus in it okay inside the you know the divide the you know divided stalls it's a three horse with a nine foot living quarters it's not a really big trailer by a lot of people's standards because I didn't want something that's you know that huge although it you know it's still big enough that I needed to go get my class a driver's license to drive it because it's over 10,000 pounds Okay, so on the trailer, in air quotes, means there. this is sort of your portable living space. You've got the, the trailer yes. for actually traveling, but then you set up a sort of temporary living area for them. But they're comfortable enough then to lay down and actually get full sleep. Yes, they're home away from home. Okay. And now how long did it take you to, for them to figure out that they, or to be comfortable in general? How long does it take them to figure out that they can actually sleep in this temporary space? Uh, you know, you start out slowly, like I would put, you know, one of the horses or maybe both of them on their ties on the trailer. And I always would have the bucket of water and the feed bag um, while I just do barn chores. And I'd start out small, like an hour at a time and, you know, let them learn and learn their uh, the limitations of moving around on it and and stuff and then we would work up to one of them being left while the other one goes out on the trail and uh, so I would say it would take weeks but you but it, it goes back to what you said in the beginning which is you're just reproducing home life and so as they this just becomes regular to them this is routine oh here we are right. tied to the trailer uh -huh. and mom's doing barn chores and this is where I you know if I get tired mm -hmm. this is a space where I can sleep and so you're just creating familiarity exactly and there's stuff going on like you know especially this year we've had you know, I'm, I'm getting my quad out because I go drag the fields with it. Um, the neighbor's running his log splitter on the other side of the fence from where the horses are. You know, we've had a couple, we had to take a couple of big trees out. So they, they got to sit there and watch chainsaws and trees falling down and getting chopped up. So they're getting lots of things going on around them. And I try to expose them to as much stuff as we can at home so that when they are traveling, it's, you know, they're not living just some sheltered private life where they never see the world going on. You know, yeah. I'm trying to expose them to as many things all the time as I can. And they go out uh, towards the road when they're turned out and they can see I, I, with COVID, everybody, I think, ran out and bought off-road vehicles. So we have all these off-road motorcycles and they call them side-by-sides where they're, it's a vehicle that will fit like four people or more in them. And they're always going up and down the street now to go out because we're just down the street from the trail. Mm. So they're getting to see all of those things, which is really good, um, bicycles and stuff. So that way they're getting used to a lot of these things that they need to learn. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Now I'm learning, relearning, starting new horses or, you know, and they're not necessarily totally green. One of them already has done some endurance rides, but 
you realize how much stuff a horse needs to learn and go through to become just safe to take them out and and that you're not going to be afraid that, oh, look, here comes an event or something with 100 bicycles going by you or some weird thing that happens. Or like I've been riding out in the mountains and and they're doing Civil War reenactments. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You know, and just the weirdest things you, you know, you encounter. But when you kind of focus your horse training, like I do, on everything's a good experience to teach these horses and expose them so that they can handle it. And that all goes back to, you know, how you manage them at home so that when they do encounter all these millions of different things that you can't even imagine happening, that they will continue to keep eating and drinking. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. The most <laughs> important thing. They got to keep eating and drinking, peeing and pooping. That, <laughs> E-D-P-P. <laughs> that's yes, ma'am. It, it is. It, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to that very simple principle. I guess for endurance horses in particular, any high level competitive horse, but endurance horses, if something is amiss with their body, It's just going to be exacerbated simply by the number of miles that you are traveling. What typically, what what types of injuries or maladies would plague an endurance horse uh, that you just, you absolutely cannot tolerate because when you're riding 50 or 100 miles, that's the end of that ride? Well, yeah, part of it, you know, you know, with a good seasoned endurance horse that if they're off their feet or they're not drinking well, you know, or their pee starts to become dark, you realize you need to back off or stop or be really start monitoring what's going on with the horse. So they have to be good at eating and drinking. That's important. And, you know, when you're riding along the side of a cliff in the dark on Tevis, it's nice to know your horse is willing to risk your life to reach over to grab a bite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking about feet and right. We all know that old saying, no hoof, no horse. And Mm -hmm. endurance riders are notorious for leading the way, blazing the trails, literally with hoof protection, but for also taking a holistic approach to hoof care. What do you think about what are your horses shod? Are they barefoot and then booted up when you ride? Tell us about your horse's feet and how you yes. care for them. I have been doing my husband actually went to farrier school over 20 years ago. And so he taught me how to trim and I started using hoof boots, which I had used boots over shoes for a long time. Because on multi-days, they helped reduce the concussion, especially on the hard, rockier types of rides, which Nevada is kind of famous for. (laughs) And then I thought, well, let's take it one step further and just go barefoot and use the boots for protection. And I've been doing that on Chief and Bo were the first couple of horses that went over 10,000 miles and, you know, using boots over, you know, I manage them barefoot. And there's a lot of benefits to that. I think one of them was it reduced concussion and the wear and tear. Um, The nice thing with boots is you can see how they're wearing on your horse. And you can do this with shoes too. You know, you can see if your horse is wearing one side or one part 
of the shoe more than others, or if the horse is especially hard on its on his or her hoof wear, then you know the horse is also having more wear and tear on the entire body. So that's something you, you have to, like you said, it's a whole holistic approach to looking and assessing your horse. Um, one of the things I learned from traveling for months on the road with horses for so many years is when you keep an eye on them at night, if there is something brewing, if there's going to be something bothering the horse, they will point. And what I call pointing is they will stand with, say it's their left front, will be put forward, and then same for the opposite hind. They will rest that and then they will alternate back and forth. Well, now if they alternate evenly, that's a really good sign. That's what you want, especially if you're trying to do multi-days on a horse. Okay. But if, if a horse is suddenly all of a sudden just tending to point one foot forward, which means they're resting it more, it means something's starting to bother the horse because they can't talk. But that's their way of telling us, hey, I'm putting this foot forward because it's starting to bother me or there's something wrong or there's something going to be wrong. And you can almost always guarantee that they're telling the truth, you know? Yeah. So that's how I learned, okay, this horse needs a day off. Um, I'm not going to ride him tomorrow. And, the, and then we're going to wait, see what happens. I think the the really important part about what you've just said is that you have the opportunity to observe these very subtle messages from your horses. Mm -hmm. And to me, keeping my horses at home gives me the opportunity to see that. If I had my horses boarded somewhere, there are lots of things I feel like I could miss and potentially make a problem worse simply because mm -hmm. it's a message that he might be trying to give, but you know, I'm not there to see it. Would you ever feel comfortable keeping your horses elsewhere or do you feel like you really need that level of information from your animals in order to keep them healthy? You know, yeah, I would have a hard time um, unless I had a camera, <laughs> which I, I have cameras in my barn uh, so that I can keep an eye on them. And, um, you know, I want to see how they're interacting and um, how often they're lying down you know, I can look out there and, and see, okay, look, it's 20 degrees and windy and, and here comes the snow. I'm going to go put a blanket on him. So, yeah, I would have a hard time boarding. Um, yeah. You know, I was talking to Wendy Ying and one of the things we discovered together is that horse care, even though there is a standard level of care and there are best practices, it's very much a moving target based on the age of the horse, the training, the breed the type of work it's doing, the environment, even like mm -hmm. in your case, the part of the country that you're in. And um, so ha being observant, highly observant, but then flexible enough to say, yeah, you know what? This horse needs a blanket. This one doesn't. Uh, this one might need right. boots. This one, you know, has got hooves of steel. I think accepting the fact that our horse care is sometimes a moving target isn't something to feel... Again, I'm going to go back to that word spoiled. Uh, I think it's necessary, honestly, uh -huh. to be flexible. Right, right. And there's one one more thing I just want to mention real quick, too. When I said I feed them out of the porta grazers, which is like a round tub, you fill it full of hay and put the insert, and they have to eat out of the holes in the insert. And one of the things that that does, which I feel is really beneficial, and I've used these things for, um, God, since they came out, 
like in 2010 or earlier. Um, but they make it so your horse, like one of the other things I noticed, like I mentioned how a horse might stand while it's resting with one foot out because, you know, that's sort of a signal that something could be wrong and you need to really pay attention. But when they eat, a lot of the horses, when you see they have an underslung heel on their foot is a lot of these horses will always eat splayed out with one foot way forward over the other foot. And so using the feeders sort of forces the horse, they have to stand in front of it more evenly so that they can't stand with one foot splayed out all the time. Because over time, that especially if they start doing that from the time they're born, they start to develop unevenly. And uh, one of the horses I had early on, I put a lot of effort into doing work to try to even him out, which we did. But I have since learned with the other horses as I got into this, you know, more and more years and years later with the other endurance horses that I did all the miles on. If you can keep them standing more square without the unevenness of putting one foot way forward all the time when they're eating, it really helps keep them more evenly developed. I know that probably sounds a little bit weird, but that's just one of the things I've learned from all the years of you know, watching my endurance horses and seeing how they've developed, you know, because many of them I started from the time they were just a few months old or three years old and up and um, got them going. And the ones that I could keep feeding to where they had to stand a little more square while they ate over the course of many years, that made a difference. What do you think, or have you had any problems or issues with tooth wear from the teeth hitting the plastic of the porta grazer? Um, no, because they're actually eating and biting the hay through the round hole. So they're, it's just, it's the same thing as if they were grazing on grass as they reach and then they grab and bite and pull. So yeah, I can not... see that the I'm looking at a picture of it right now and I see that the holes are big enough where they can get their teeth in there. They don't right. they don't have to make contact with the plastic. Yeah. In fact I do remember one of my vets one time a few years ago mentioning that she had seen horses that were developing issues from eating through some of these slow feeders because the guards or whatever were on them were small enough and the horses were constantly banging onto them. Right. The teeth were coming into contact with the yeah. material that's slowing them down. Um, I'm going to have to try one of these because, you know, I'm always looking for the next greatest thing <laughs> in terms of feeding because, you know, I have a small horse property and my horses, one of them cannot graze all year round because for health reasons. But I think one of the, the most important things is for, if, for a horse's mental health, as well as their physical health, is to graze, is for their, their bodies and their digestive system to actually right, be right. as close to the grazing process as possible. Um, and these, and it's nice because the horses can move them around, so they, they don't have to be stationary. You can anchor them in a stall or in an area if you want them to stay stationary. I always like the fact that the horses could move them around. Um, even though like with Bo, I had to spray paint <laughs> when I had him. I had to spray paint his with glow in the dark 
paint so I could find it when I went to feed him in the dark, like, you know, in the winter when it gets dark at five o'clock in oh. order to find his portagrees. Or I, yes, I had to spray paint it with glue paint and then use a headlamp to find the darn thing and go find it. <laughs> if I got anything out of this conversation, I need to go explore the portagrazer because I'm just struggling like, ugh. Science and technology are great because we keep learning more about our horses and what they Everything. need, right, to be healthy. But you're just like, oh, man, I just outfitted my entire barn with hay nets. <laughs> to do something else. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, and uh, but yeah, you got to do something. I mean, especially where I am, you never know when the wind is going to come up. You know, it could be perfectly nice. And then the next minute, there's a dust devil rolling around. And uh, so if you have hay spread out or hay anywhere, it's going to just take off <laughs> and blow away. <laughs> so well, that's the other nice thing with, with these is they stay inside and secure. The hay stays inside. Yeah. yeah. And you're not raking it up all over your barnyard like I do every day, my little piggies. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because you said something that I think I'd, I'd like to wrap up our conversation with this. The wildfires that you guys have experienced, um, if they, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of challenging weather that your area of the country has experienced. What kinds of things have you put into practice in the last you know, two to three years to prepare for catastrophic situations? Yes, we have learned we were under an evacuation warning this year, another one a couple of years ago. So we have learned to be prepared um, that's one of the other important things is making sure the horses will load quickly in the trailer and that I can grab my stuff that I need, the important papers and everything. So we're all prepared and ready to go. So if we have to get out of here quickly, we can be hooked up and loaded and out of here in like a half hour if we have to. That also all comes down to just basic reinforcement with the horses and making sure, uh, especially with the new horse, because he was rather stubborn and did not want to load in the trailer. So I've had a project on my hands with him. And so I've been working through all that, working through having everything ready to go and ready to be, um, you know, we, we know what the you know, the drill is if we have to hook up, who does what, who grabs this, who throws in the stuff we need for the dogs, for the horses, for us, and then we get on our way. And where do you go? What's your destination? Um, uh, either two friends. It depends on where the fire is and which direction it's coming, because clearly we want to go away from it. So um, I, I'm actually literally like a mile from the fairgrounds, which is where they normally station the control center for the fire department. And that's normally where they would evacuate us to. So I would either go there or I would go to a friend's house. Okay. Uh, but you somewhere. have a network of, hey, you guys are on my, yes. right. uh -huh. my, my we list. We all do. Yeah, horse pe that's horse people. You know, we all look out for one another and we would just, you know, reach out and say, hey, I need somewhere to go. Because most of us want to be able to have a place where, you know, they want to know that they can drop off their horse and that they're going to be in a safe place, that they're not going to be stuck in a stall at the fairgrounds in case this turns out to be a week-long thing, right? Yeah. So just kind of, uh, you know, it's all about being prepared. And, uh, you know, and of course now, like I've mentioned before, I've got these newer horses. I'm training and doing 
and, and they're learning all this stuff. Whereas the older experienced horses that I had, I mean, it was no problem. They would literally camp out overnight underneath a busy freeway underpass with trains and <laughs> semis and the whole everything and not have a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with with these horses, they're still I'm still trying to get them exposed and trained and experienced to s- simple little things like the neighbor's got a goat. Oh, my God. The horror of it all, you know. <laughs> so, so we're still working on a lot of these little Silly things, you know, where you start to realize, gosh, darn, I I really miss those old horses. Yeah, it's very possible to experience something you have never experienced before, even though you have had horses for so many years. It's I know. Whoa, do I even know what I'm doing? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's me lately, especially. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, let's hope that you don't need to to actually prepare or um, you know put your your plans in place for catastrophes. It sounds like the moral of this episode, listeners, is you cannot over prepare. Whether it's preparing your horses for traveling on the road, for competing, for being adaptable, um, or just for staying healthy. So, mm-hmm. um, Karen, tell our listeners who might want to explore more about what you do and perhaps endurance riding, where they can find more information about you. Um, Well, I am on Twitter and Facebook as Envy Rider, or um, gosh, I think on Facebook, it might even be Endurance Rider um, under Karen Chatton. Um, If you want to learn more about endurance, you can go to aerc.org. So listeners, you don't need to remember all of that. I'm glad she said it. But If you go to stallandstable.com and you look in this episode's show notes, I will make sure that we link you over to everything Karen Chatton. Karen, thank you so much for doing this with me. It was a pleasure. It was fun. I always love to talk about horses. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Once again, my thanks to Karen Chatton for joining me today. Listeners, if you'd like to find out more about Karen or about endurance riding in general, Go to stallandstable.com and look in this episode's show notes or just do a search in the search bar for Karen Chatton or Endurance. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and I do hope that you enjoy listening to Stall and Stable. At this time, I'd like to ask you for a favor. I need your support to help keep this show going. If any of the free episodes we've published have helped you in some way, if you enjoy listening to them, if you subscribe to the show, I'd love for you to support the show financially. There are a number of ways you can support us. You can make a one-time donation in any amount that's comfortable for you. You can become a monthly supporter, again, in any amount that's comfortable for you. Or if you don't have the financial means to support the show, it would be really helpful for you to share our content on social media. And to our current stall and stable friends, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support. And that's a wrap for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it.